This week on the Red Dirt America podcast, I talk with my old friend, Bart Crow about his upcoming album, Pretty Good Heart, plus surviving the pandemic and, to quote Willie Nelson, getting on the road again. Back to the running and gunning and going and going and going and going. I never take the gigs for granted, but you take a little stuff, things become repetitive. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dirt America with Chuck Taylor. First of all, thank you for doing this, man. It is it's been a it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has been. I think it's been a minute for talking to most people, it seems like <laughs> these days. But uh yeah, it's 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 a blessing to not have been forgotten and keep friends. At least we have texts and I'm always happy to talk with you, pal. Oh man, I, I was thinking about it this uh this afternoon as as I was getting ready for the interview. I met you in 2005. I was working for another radio station. Uh, you came in and did an interview on your album, Finally, when uh, Where My Ring oh, came out, right? That's that's a song that nobody yes, in their freaking mind knew the title to. They all called it Pretty Angel <laughs> or something else. They never right. called it Where My Angel Ring. Angel in the Bottle. Angel in the Bottle right. is what they called it. And they never said uh, Where My Ring. Uh, but we all knew that that was the song. And that was what, this is going to be your eighth album. So that was eight albums ago, 16 years ago. Yeah. Something like that. I think uh, it's a long time, man. It's a, uh, it's amazing to still get to be playing music and, and somebody actually showing up to listen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's been a long journey since then. Cause I remember that you weren't even married at that point. Uh, we came to the interview. We we became fast friends uh, during that time. Uh, I I've been, I invited you onto uh, several shows and stuff that that I was doing, even that uh, Billy Bob show that I used to do. Uh, and you even yeah. invited me to uh, to your wedding. I couldn't make it, but you you actually sent an invite for that. I remember that. Well, that's what that's what friends do, buddy. <laughs> so it's it's been. It's been 16 years. This is going to be the uh, eighth album coming out on October 30th. Um, pretty Good Heart. Tell me about this album. Um, well, you know, I making these records, it, it's, it, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a time, heart, energy, and financial investment that uh, – I kind of got to this point where I was tired of throwing all my eggs in one basket. So over the last course of the last few years, I've, I've started working with Nick J and he and I hit it off really well. And I thought we, we created some good music and art together and we get along fantastic. And I love the wood, the way he uh, produces songs and the way he works with me. And uh, so I just started going and seeing him every few months and recording three or four songs. And once I kind of had a cachet of, of music, we started trying to build EPs. And so, uh, you know, we've done a couple and we've got about 10 or 12 songs still, what they call in the can, I think is the appropriate music <laughs> lingo. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's been fun to do it that way. It's been fun to, um, I don't know, I just say like build a library to get to choose from instead of being like, well, it's record time. Let's put all our eggs in this basket and just hope like heck it works out. And uh, I mean, we still do that to some degree, but it's, it seems to be a little less stressful for old, old man Bart to to put some songs together from a from a catalog rather than here's the songs. Here's we're recording them. And this is all we have to choose from because it's all I have. And now we're out of money. Let's go rock and roll. 
Yeah, because to uh, to quote a uh, a songwriter friend of mine, life comes at you fast. <laughs> yes, sir, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. And that was a well-played and a very handsome, talented friend of yours who ever said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is he still bearded? Yeah, he is. He's still bearded. Uh, we've been in the mountains now for a month and a half. And so uh, I vowed to not shave the beard till Christmas till we get home. And so, uh, yeah, mountain man. Yeah. So you're in the mountains of, of Colorado and, and you're living out of an RV. And this is a cool story. So so how did you come to live out of an RV? Man, uh, women are very persuasive. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, you know, my hippie wife's wanted to travel forever. And it's just, you know, unfortunately, I mean, we had the opportunity to go live in Italy several years before we became parents. And uh, once since then, and just the fact of touring and, and working the Texas scene the way all of us do, just go, 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 go. Uh, I just never had the confidence to leave it behind to, and to take a break from it. And, you know, everybody's playing, you know, most tours aren't, you know, six week tours and we come home like in the rock world, as you know, you know, it's a lot of Thursday through Saturday and you're here one weekend, you're there next weekend and you go and you, I mean, heck, I believe all of us that have, you know, have the 18 plus years in it at some point, we all cross the 200 shows a year threshold before realizing like that's absurd. Yeah. And, uh, but still, you know, backing it off to 150 to 120 shows like I've done the last few years, it's still, you know, like that, that makes you a busy human. And, you know, the pandemic happened and screwed everybody up and scared everybody. And no one still knows what's going on. And, but it, what it, what it did for me selfishly was proved that, you know, we don't have to, as a dad, first of all, I don't have to be gone every single weekend. You know, my other boys, when Towns was born, I was home for about three weeks and then gone for a month and then back to the weekend grind when the twins were born that's when dandelion came out right. and it, it did really well for me. So we were, I was home for 12 days and gone for 28 days home for a week and then gone for a month. And that's, that's a lot for a, a wife to handle. And it's a lot on a dad too, to, to be gone. And then during this pandemic, our last latest and very last son poet was born and I got to be home the first five months of his life. And so all that was just like, you know what? After 18 years, I love playing music. I absolutely love it. I love getting on stage. I love being with my band and I love the fans and I love being fortunate enough to live in a state and in a region that has a scene that allows us to do this. And I, I kind of selfishly was like, after 18 years, if, if you don't like my music now, you're not going to. So I'm going to focus <laughs> on, the, on the beautiful crowd and fans that I have and hope to make more, but I'm, I would be okay if I didn't if this is what I got, I'm happy with this. And I don't have to prove something to myself or everybody every weekend. I've got, yeah, I got some other priorities that have, that have crept about and grown around me. And, uh, so, so anyway, all that to land this plane, my wife has just always wanted to travel. And so getting to, you know, getting forced to be home and then not, you know, not going completely broke or insane kind of taught me like, man, maybe we just work a little smarter and not and a little less harder and um i'll go do something that's good and so it took me a long time though it took me probably harping on me 
and I say that with kindness, uh, not only hearted, but really. <laughs> Shh, I will tell her, anybody. <laughs> keeping her elbow in my ribs for a good six months. And finally, in February, that was kind of like, which I know this sounds cheap, but we were at a nice restaurant having a very nice birthday dinner. And it was my personal gift to her. Like, hey, by the way, read this card. And I just told her I'm, I'm all in. Um, you know, we just saved a lot of money. We prayed a lot, a whole lot. And it was just like every roadblock or curveball that I was like, well, you know, what about this? And God just figured out a way it just worked. Like I was worried about representation giving up on me, you know, because they eat from commissions that I make yeah. and they were so supportive and behind me hundred percent. Um, as we discussed before my mouth, my technical malfunction over here, you know, uh, I was worried about our mortgage and things of that nature. And we found a property manager who's amazing. And she found a tenant and a young lady moved in from LA and is leasing our house. She's in Austin working on fear of the walking dead. She's a stunt woman. And so the house is taking care of itself, the utilities, all that. So it's kind of like each, each thing I was concerned about, uh, it just worked itself out. So that's why I was just like, okay, I'm in. So, we developed a small budget and, and like we said, a persuasive lady, but a determined lady is even stronger than a persuasive <laughs> lady. And I have, I have both wrapped up in one. So we came up with a little budget and she went and found us a good bang for our buck RV. Now we got a few little extra room than we had anticipated. Cause I don't know if you know what it's like, uh, having a 10 year old and seven year old twin boys plus a 14 month old, but you need some space. <laughs> Fortunately, I only have the one 18 uh, year old <laughs> daughter. So uh, I only have to worry about one college payment instead of four college payments. So I do not envy you, my friend. Well, we preach the military a lot in my house. Like, oh, it's just a great way to, that's what dad did. That's how I got college. You know, you guys should really concentrate on getting your grades up, going to college, and then going, you know, ROTC and, and do the military. So <laughs> daddy we'll makes music for a living. You're, you're going to the military. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, so we just did it. And, and, you know, I got to say, we're only about 48 or nine days into this and it's already, I can say with a full heart and mind that it's already 150% more exciting, uh, more soul nurturing than I had anticipated. That is, that is awesome, man. Um, do you watch uh, fear of the walking dead now and say, is that her? Is that her? Is that uh, the lady in my house? You know, I confessed to her that I'd never got into the walking dead and she was just kind of gave me the stank eye. So I'm like, but I'll watch next season. Since you're in it, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get caught up. <laughs> so, but, uh, man, we're having a blast, you know, we, and like say our whole, goal is, you know, I've, I, I need to do some soul searching myself, been drinking too much, been, uh, stressing too much, been grouchy too much, been gone too much. So it's a good, it's a good way to get me and the boys and Brooke, all of us clicking on a better cylinder together more often than not, which we, we we're pretty tight, but it could be better. It can always be better. Get closer to God and heck man, we're out here and my boys already learned to fly fish. Uh, I've wow. to clean clean fish they've uh they've caught their own and cooked on open fire made the fire so those are neat things for a dad i mean and a mom too but for me personally it's like heck yeah because you know we live in inner city austin so they only get country when we go back to maypearl yeah and that's you know 
a week here and a week there. So being out here, it's like, come on, this is how dad grew up doing it. So, and it's, it's pretty it's amazing. Really it's amazing that you've been able to teach a 14 month old to fly fish. Yeah. You know, you know, pretty much I, I have genius children. Let's just be honest. <laughs> no, uh, poet gets the backpack a lot. So he's, he's on the backpack. Uh, I thought Brooke hooked his ear last night. So I grabbed him off her backpack so she could finish fishing when we were down in uh, Buena Vista. But uh, man, it, it's really been really cool. And so our whole thing is we're doing state uh, national parks, state parks and skate parks. Wow, that that sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I had the oppor- opportunity to do something like that. So, I mean, you, you kind of kind of living the dream and you're showing them a little bit about what life on the road is like, because, you know, your boys are, are probably grew up most of the time saying, well, daddy's gone. And you, you talked a little bit about that. You know, daddy's always gone. Well, now they can see, you know, the places like daddy does see see the country like daddy gets to do. Yeah. And they've enjoyed that. And and fortunately, you know, the three older boys have been to a lot of my gigs, so they kind of understand the routine of that. But when our first month after our first three weeks out, I had two more gigs, one in Midland and one in Artesia, New Mexico. And we already had the RV. So we we did the like the tour thing. I was like, guys, it's gig day. So we went to the gig and they got to kind of see, you know, how how we boogie to the show, load in, play the gig, load out boogie to the next town so they got a, a little taste of that too wow so, so it's, it's a great life plus uh you may be uh training some future roadies i don't know man because i've i've had to tra- train myself on this one because you know us guys in the in that van after you know our 18 years of doing it we don't stop much and so i'm still trying to preach like get your peas and poops out now boys <laughs> we the, the the truck pulls over. It's like when we're touring, the Sprinter pulls over when it needs diesel. So, so keep your Gatorade bottles, your empty Gatorade bottles, keep them. And uh, number twos, you're just going to have to learn to be tough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're, you're teaching the hard knocks of life right there. <laughs> yeah. So l- let me ask you something. I, I want to take you back several years ago. And, and this is this is documented. You had you, you had to have back surgery. And that took you off the road for for a time. Uh, uh-huh. And did that kind of prepare you for the pandemic? Because the pandemic suddenly took everybody off the road for a while. Um, you know, to be honest with Chuck, I never thought about the two together till you just said that. So I'm going to have to answer no. But I think the difference for me was I was terrified about, you know, because again, especially 10 years ago when I had the back surgery, I mean, nobody was stu- not touring, you know, people, anybody who was touring. Hey, a uh, side note real quick. So the one very important thing, my, one of my uh, twins just brought me a Keystone light. So they've also <laughs> learned that. <laughs> Thanks, Bubba. So, so that's a good thing they've learned also. Well, it, I don't know. It's a Keystone, so I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, that's a matter of opinion, sir. <laughs> hey. But, uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was just going to say, you know, and co- I was just going to say, hey, in college, uh, we used to do Milwaukee's best. So I, I've, I've done the beast. So Keystone's OK. Hey, I've done the beast in college myself. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I was terrified, but I had a few months to at every gig, make sure everyone knew what was about to go down. And back then, I guess it was probably my space, uh, you know, making sure everyone knew. And and so. I feel like people kind of knew I was fixing to be off the road for a little bit. 
And so, yeah, when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, because I mean, I literally, we played, it was March of 19. Was it 19? It was um, yeah, 19. 20. Was it 20? March of 20. Yeah. Okay. So we played in Alabama and I flew home since I was the only dad in the band. And so I told the guys, you know, I say, hey, I'll stay up tonight. I'll see y'all when you get home, drive safe. So the guy, the band got to the house around midnight. And um, I just remember, you know, hey, guys, glad you made it here safe. I'll see y'all Thursday. Have a good week. And we didn't see each other till September the 10th. Wow. And I think that was March 6th or 7th, whatever day that was a Sunday of that that period. And it went that it hit us that quick, which it did everyone. But. Uh, that's how quick everything just spun on a, on its tail end for us. Yeah, because because uh, Texas pretty much shut down on March twelfth. Uh, uh, that so it was just a few days after after you got home and did that, and and Texas completely shut down right after that, and well, the whole right. country at that point. Yeah. Oh, and I lied to you. the The reason that for us, the reason it yeah, they got home on March the eighth is when they got home and it was spring break for Austin. The next weekend yeah. started spring break. So my crew, we were headed to Breckenridge to go snowboarding. Wow. So that was, so I lied. I, I was told the guys, I'll see you in two weeks. That's what it was. And in that time we were about to head to Breckenridge that middle of that week. Like you said, the 12th, we got the call that everything was shutting down. Uh, Breck sent all our money back. United airlines, the bastards they are just gave us a coupon and so we loaded up and we went to Terralingua and we stayed on Terralingua for 10 days and wow. just kept watching the news. And it was just like, it was this weird exodus of people that was leaving like the Metroplex in Austin and kind of going West, those that could. And we were listening to the news and it was like, things were closing down from like, you know, Tennessee into Arkansas and then Dallas was hit, you know, things were closing. And of course we were watching Austin closely then all of a sudden the schools were talking about not opening back up. And then it was hearing about the toilet paper shortage at HEB and the lines going around the corner. We were listening to all this and watching, you know, just news apps at night down in Big Ben. It was like, holy shoot, what's going on? You know, like everyone else, it's like out of a dadgum movie. I'm like, what the hell's happening? And even the little gas station there in Terralingua, that Elon gas station, over the second week, I watched it go from just being normal to getting low on diesel, to being out of ice, to only 10 people at a time in the store, to six people. And by the time we left, it was one in, one out. Wow. I was like, that's just, what the hell's happening? So on our way back, you know, 10 hour drive back to Austin, when I'd stop and get diesel, I would, I'd buy one roll of toilet paper and a, and a gallon of water. Cause I'm like, what's I don't know what's going on. So by the time we got home, we were, we were good and set. And then realized it was half panic half nobody knows what's going on so we just kind of batten down the hatches and hung out at the house and never left for about it was almost eight weeks my pregnant wife looked at me and she said i'm getting in the truck i'm rolling the windows down and nobody's going with me and i'm just going to go drive around i said you're more than welcome <laughs> to do that you go for it yeah because if mama ain't happy nobody's happy uh -uh. and the only person that left the house in that eight weeks was me i'd i'd run over to randall's and you know restock any groceries we needed and aside from that, I mean, we all just, we were hanging until it was time to have a baby in June. Wow. Well, and congratulations on Poet, because I, I don't think we've talked since uh, since Poet was born. So uh, congratulations on that. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I hate everything about the pandemic as everyone else does, but, you know, we had a pandemic baby, so I can't really, and, and blessed to us, we've all been safe. 
and our loved ones have been safe. So, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to dodge bullets that others haven't been. And, and so, you know, I don't really have a lot of right to complain about it too much other than the standard, you know, screwed our lives up as it did everyone's. But I kind of keep my mouth shut a little bit because, you know, my family extended. I mean, we had our first scare, to be honest. Uh, I mean, me and Brooke, Brooke and I and the boys, the big boys got it in December, but it was very mild, uh, just lack of energy for about a month for old fat dad here. Uh, I had an uncle who literally just got out of the hospital yesterday. We were getting really scared. He's a retired fireman. Um, and he finally had to be put in the hospital and they never had to incubate him, but he was in there this whole past week because oxygen wouldn't stay up and his blood pressure wouldn't, but they got the antibiotics in him, the medicine in him, and he turned a corner and, uh, literally went home yesterday. So we don't, I don't feel like we have the right to bitch too much because we've been pretty fortunate. Yeah. I, I, in, I th- a, in a very shitty situation. That yeah. It's been worse for a lot of other people. It, it has been worse for a lot of other people. Uh, I think, you know, for me, uh, the music industry was hit hard by it. Uh, and, and artists had to reinvent themselves uh, and, and, and learn new things about themselves as well. What did you learn about yourself? I think, and man, I, I sure hope none of this comes out of context and makes you sound like an ass or arrogant. But I just really think that most of mine, to I know because I've already alluded to this a couple times. I just really think I just realized that I don't have to be married to that guitar in the road as much as I have been for eighteen years. Yeah, I mean, I got to spend eight months with my kids and my, you know. I guess the twins were six when this hit because they turned seven in November and Towns was nine, but you know, they're, they're pretty go-getters then. And, and I got, I just got a lot of time to, to learn who they really, really are. Not just Sunday through Thursday and not just after school and in the mornings at breakfast, you know, we got to stay up late. We got to go to bed early. We got to do schoolwork together. Um, you know, that which sucked really bad, <laughs> but, uh, did, did you learn all the new math? <laughs> Oh, dude, we didn't. Fortunately, Austin didn't go down that road, uh, at least not yet. But uh, just did whole virtual learning thing. And finally, I mean, Brooke and I kind of had to have a come to Jesus together as a team. Like, look, this isn't about us. So I always say if if her and I and our marriage lasted, survived uh, virtual learning for three boys. Yeah, boy, we're invincible. There you, you yeah, anything. you're def, definitely invincible. Well, let's talk but, a little. You know, I had I did have to learn just like everybody else did. Everybody kind of followed each other with doing those online concerts. Uh, you know, shoot, two years ago I never heard of the word Zoom. Next thing you know, I'm as almost a Zoom operator as everyone else became. You know, very fluid in Zoom and its and its program. Well, and it kind of probably brought you closer to your uh, to your listeners than ever before because your followers and your fans, uh, you know, they really supported the Texas music artists by with these virtual shows by by doing the tip jar and and everything else. They really, I think, the fans came to bat for the Texas musicians. Oh, dude, well, that goes without saying. But yes, sir. Actually, it doesn't. It needs to be said very loud. Uh, yes, they did, and you know, and it. it was beautiful for us selfishly and thank Lord that people were able to give, you know, cause a, a little times a lot of people adds up, but it just stunk so bad to see, you know, since we have got to play music for so long, 
we got a lot of venue and club owners that are good friends and you're sitting there with your hands tied. Like I can't do anything to help you. And I feel terrible. At least I have a, I have a product that I can put online and, and play to people and converse with people and talk with people from my living room. But you have a venue and you're shut down out of your control. God, I wish I could help you. And man, there was a lot of, a lot of boarded up stuff in, 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 even in, I remember one day we rode to downtown Austin down around sixth and seventh street, which we'd never go, but we did when we first moved to town before we became parents and the amount of stuff boarded up the amount of venues across the state, you know, uh, my buddy, David, uh, Hanks over in McKinney. I mean, he's yeah. been shut down a year and a half. I mean, I literally just got an offer for like a March gig and I sent him, sent him a screenshot and I, I was pretty, uh, foul in my language, but it was all about excitement, like how happy it made me uh, <laughs> to see that back, you know. And so, yeah, was, yeah, God, it just kicked everybody so hard. Do you remember your uh, what it felt like that first show back in front of people? Hundred percent. It was September the eleventh of twenty twenty, and it was Brewster Street Brewster Street Ice House, which is also a special place to me. It's where I did my live record, and so Corpus has always been kind of like a, a weird. Uh, faux home, if you will, or second home, yeah. home, maybe second home. Yeah. Because I just grew from playing little bars to the surf club, to Brewster street, to concrete street. And then I got to do a live record there. And so we've always had a lot of love there. So we, we went in the rehearsal studio in the tent or actually the ninth and the tent and, you know, polished up, scrubbed up and, and got a, got a set list together and felt good. And yeah, I remember, I remember us, high-fiving, taking a shot of Patron backstage and being like, let's get this guy. So we've waited a long time. And I remember I can still see my drummer's footsteps while I was walking right behind Daniel, his steps walking to the drum riser and then me just turning the corner and being like, wow, man, holy cow. How could I have ever, ever, if I ever did, how could I ever miss, uh, not miss this? And, and that first time that you, uh, we're back and the audience sang the words back at you. It, it probably had to be just as exhilarating as the first time that ever happened at all. A hundred percent. I mean, it always is, but, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It was a special thing because, you know, back to the running and gunning and going and going and going and going. I never take the gigs for granted, but you take a little stuff. Things become repetitive. You know, it's like I always say, you know, the lady I read about her one time in Texas Monthly, but, and she may be passed by now, but she was like 90 something and she was part of the uh, Bluebell family and uh, she had a bowl of ice cream every night and they have taste testers. I'm like, well, even an ice cream taste tester job gets old after a while. Right. Which I can't imagine that sitting here. <laughs> that's, that's a gifted <laughs> job. But, you know, things just become routine and they just become, you know, you get complacent because it's just routine. You just, oh, we're here in another town. We're playing, the, you know, same group of songs. Let's just do it again. You kind of come becomes ro robotic. And again, the gigs themselves are great, but it's like, okay, that was a gig. We got another one tomorrow. And you learn real quick when it's taken away from you that not that that's not the case. And so it definitely changed me, which I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for every artist out there. It changed them all. Even those who worship every single second of every mile to people like me that just love to play the gigs and everything else is just kind of monotonous. But, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, even 
even now, like wrapping up some shows to get ready to go on the road like this, I didn't have but two shows in August. And, uh, I remember I got off stage in Artesia after that gig and I looked at my wife and I'm like, I give you permission to punch me in the nose if I ever crap about doing this. I was like, cause that right there is just, there's nothing like it. It's so cool. It's cause it's just a culmination of everything that you've worked up to that point. And it's a neat thing to make somebody happy, especially if they sing back to you, like we we're saying, but just to give somebody in a good mood with something that I completely pulled out of my rear end out of the universe that did not exist before I put it on a piece of paper. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like the, you know, it's almost as if the pandemic kind of gave you a gift of, of, uh, getting to to feel that feeling that exhilarating rush from from the first time you ever stepped on stage all over again yeah a hundred percent it really did it was kind of a a good like hey fat boy don't take this for granted it can go away again any minute would you rather make a record that sells five hundred thousand copies or make a record that in, influences five thousand other bands or artists that's a tough one man because um Golly, my wife could answer this better than I can for me. Um, I have a split brain. It's, I've always, like, I, I lack confidence. I tried to exude confidence as a man. I don't lack confidence. But as a musician and a songwriter, I, I definitely am always uh, second-guessing. I have confidence to, to go up and do my thing, but it's when I'm creating it, it's like it's never good enough. And so I've always wanted to be a songwriter that is very influential. Now, the other side of my noggin is a dad of four boys that we just talked about college funds. Right. So, <laughs> and, and I've made records and I've played songs and I've done shows where I want to just be the Towns Van Zant, if you will, for, for example. Yeah. And then I've also watched some of my buddies who have went a different route and stayed a little more commercial and I've seen their successes and, and I know what my private life and financial struggles have been over the years. So that's a tough one. But, uh, at, I just turned 45 on Sunday. So 45 year old Bart says 500,000 records all day. Well, happy belated now, birthday. And I, and I hear you on that one. <laughs> thank you, buddy. And now secret real Bart to himself. Oh man. There's nothing more flattering than, especially when you meet a new band and they tell you how much you influenced them. And then, you know, a few years later, you, you, you're almost, if not opening for that band. That's, I love that. I never, I never look at that like, oh God, that's like the coolest thing in the world. It's like of all the music just on the internet, not to mention records of past and you chose me. It's kind of like it's, I put it in that same bracket when people ask me to sing at their wedding. It's like me, like that's your special day. There's better stuff out there. But I don't take it lightheartedly. It's very kind, and it's it's extreme uh, compliment. Well, I mean, yes, five hundred thousand records goes a long <laughs> way. So I could, go, I could go make a whole lot of singer songwriter Towns Van Zant s songs and records if I had the the bread from five hundred thousand units sold. Yeah, and and and, and, you, and you bring up Towns. You know, he was actually probably a, a big influence on you because I mean, I mean, you named your firstborn after him. You would think, yeah. That's a, that's a good assumption. Yeah, no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. But you know, there's, um, I think there's enough room and space for everybody. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I do want to ask you this because I've, I've thought a lot yes, about sir. this and I, I want to see if you and you, you may need to think about this for a second. You've been doing this now for uh, what, uh, 18 years, about yes, sir. 16, 18 years, right in there. You know, you've been on the scene for a long time. So I think it's about time somebody makes the Bart Crow sandwich eating crow. Come on. It would it, be perfect. What's on the Bart Crow sandwich? Uh, I don't know if I follow. Like a real sandwich? Yeah, if somebody, it's time somebody makes a, a, a bark crow sandwich so they can say, you know, it's the eating crow, right? And it's the bark crow sandwich named after you. What's on that sandwich? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so boring. <laughs> uh, dude, <laughs> yes, I'm 12, everybody. Uh, I'm, a peanut, I'm a peanut butter and jelly man with Cheetos on it. Peanut butter and jelly with Cheetos. That's the crow. <laughs> <laughs> you have too many kids that's what's going on right there <laughs> I, I think you're right buddy and i was a fat little kid that loved sweets so there you have it oh maybe put some uh you know okay on the cheetos let me ask you this are they the hot cheetos or are they the regular cheetos oh you flip a coin i love them both but if i'm making it it's the hot the uh flaming hot the flaming hot cheetos and peanut butter on the sandwich <laughs> Yeah, and jelly. <laughs> and jelly. What what flavor jelly? What flavor? Grape or strawberry? Uh, grape all day. Grape all day. And what what's the bread? White. White bread. All right. The one that's the one that when you bite it, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. That oh, kinda... that's the one. Yeah, the one where you you mash it down so that you can uh, can make it stick to the roof of your mouth. Heck yeah, you do. Right. And if you want to get real fancy, and we're gonna wear like maybe a button down shirt in the sandwich, go and throw some banana slices on it too. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> so that little variant there to the uh, to the bark roast sandwich. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna round this out with one last question for you. What song uh, changed buddy. your life? Oh, changed my life. That's ah oh, man. You know, I don't have a singular answer for that, and I know that's lame, but I can give you a couple that that were uh, that were very instrumental like i know at one point when i went through my i guess my only heartache uh got my heart broken um after all this time by rodney crow yeah dude that one comes to mind because that's still a heavy hitter that's just a beautiful song and then uh and i've just gotten on the kick of this gentleman but i love i can sing it frontwards and backwards i sing it in my sleep but backside of 30 john conley Oh man, that's just a song, and that's just the two out, out the top of the head. But the backside of thirty, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of John Conley, Conley the last couple months, just rediscovering his hit after hit after hit after hit, and it's just like, man, just dude, backside of thirty, just good night. What a song! And uh, when I was in college, and I was rodeoing at Tarleton, the guy that I traveled with, he and I became real good buddies, and he was a good cowboy. I was just a guy trying to being a click i guess but me but clay clay bailey from uh oh gosh dang it i know where i just lost the name it's up by decatur maybe it's from decatur uh no keller 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 keller, keller. Uh, clay, clay bailey from keller texas and that was my buddy that was my partner man and we would go to the water and hole uh, there in stephenville on tuesday nights i think and have about 700 schooners of beer and clay would seen karaoke to backside of 30 every time and he 
I love Clay to pieces. He knows it, but he can sing about as well as I can tap dance. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he, that's not very good. <laughs> not so peachy, but boy, he gave it all like Elvis and everybody loved Clay. Clay was everybody's friend. So, you know, he probably had better crowd doing that than I do today. Oh, man. Well, Bartman, it is, it's been a pleasure talking with you. The new album comes out on the 30th of October. And uh, already the uh, the first single off of it, Bad Attitude, is really starting to uh, heat up the charts. Yeah, I think uh, maybe everybody just felt sorry for me since I disappeared during the pandemic. <laughs> so they're giving us some spins. Or maybe they're doing me a solid while I'm out here not touring. Just keep me relevant so we can get back at it in January. Well, I think it's just because it's good damn music if, if I have my druthers. Well, I'll take that too, buddy. Thank you. So thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, man, stay safe out there on the road. Hi, on, man. We're just slow poking. Uh, got our tongue weight where it needs to be. So no, no weeble wobble or walking trailer. And we don't get in a hurry. We stay in the right lane. We just take our time, get to the next town. Well, catch a fish for me, man. All right, Chuck, thank you for being my friend, buddy. And thank you for always inviting me to the party. Hey, thank you for always accepting the invitation. Yes, sir, buddy. If you enjoyed this episode of Red Dirt America, make sure you like and subscribe so you won't miss any more episodes. And if you'd like to, leave a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll see you down the road.